is welcome back to the No Dream Podcast, the number one podcast on YouTube, as stated by Little Uzi Vert. That's right, Little Uzi Vert loves this podcast as well as Drake, Rihanna, Beyonce. They all love this podcast and listen to it. They, they said it's glorious, you know, high praise for it. It's critically acclaimed. The best podcast on YouTube, basically. Today with me, or not with me, uh, I have me. I'm by myself again, I guess. Uh, next podcast, we'll be having hopefully two guests on it to make that a little bit more interesting. Obviously, um, the social distancing thing is throwing everybody off, and yeah, we can use Zoom and Discord and all that to record these podcasts, but like sometimes the connections aren't great and the audio comes out scrambled, and what we really want to do is we want to be able to put out quality podcasts that you can listen to without missing anything. So um, without further ado, this is the best way that we're able to get that good quality that we want if we just sit down and record it this way like right in front of the mic in person and right now i'm the only one who's able to do that in person so today it's just gonna be me and we're gonna be talking about hope i know easter was last week so this will still be relevant and i want to continue the the theme that easter presents for us to live by and to live out so this you know, I'm not I'm not going to really talk about Easter and, you know, the traditional sense. Like, yes, we talk about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But I want to hit on something deeper than that. I want to hit on the concept of hope. And if you deal with, like, suicidal thoughts or anything like that, stay tuned because, you know, I, I got some stuff that I think will really help you out. Um, if you ever felt hopeless before and you felt like you're at a low point in your life, currently right now you may feel alone and hopeless. And you may feel like the world is hopeless because of its current circumstance. So I got some for that. Uh, stay tuned. First of all, let's let's talk about Easter. And you know, I really wanted to start out by hitting on the fact that we're not able to continue our traditions in church right now because of the social distancing thing. So normally in the past, you go to Easter service maybe once. I mean, I'm from an African-American family. So when I used to go to church with my mom, we go to church in the morning and then we go to church in the middle of the day. Then we go at night and then we go to a later service. And she said it was even more extreme when she was a little kid because they go to like six, seven churches a day. And that just seems crazy to me. But we go to like four churches on Eastern, different types of service. Like we maybe go to an African-American church and then we go to like a Caucasian church or we, we go Hispanic church, Asian. We go to different ones to see how each one celebrates Easter. But let's let's talk about how America celebrates Easter. I mean, if you guys did not know, the Easter bunny actually started out as a symbol of new life, you know, rebirth and regeneration, kind of like a phoenix. But we as America loves money, right? We love to culturize things. And apparently, you know, America saw this concept and said, hey, let's make money off that. So without a doubt, you can leave it to America to culturize something and make it a symbol for a holiday. I mean, now think about it. Kids are more worried about the Easter bunny coming and finding eggs um, that they don't remember the true reason of why Easter is celebrated. And yes, the traditions are like a big point of these these seasons. Like they're great memories, right? I'm not saying don't sit on the Christmas tree and open presents with your family, but tradition shouldn't be at the forefront of the true meaning of the holiday. My mom raised me to always like seek the deeper meaning in things. So naturally, yes, we do these things, but I've always seen like the the true basis, the true concept of what the holiday is built around. And it's a celebration of hope um, and of that hope that was taken away coming back. So I'm going to be reading from Luke 24, 13 and going on. And I'm going to be explaining a little bit. 
and I'm gonna be reading a lot today so I'll try to make it as interesting as possible so uh, Luke 24 13 and this is after Jesus has died right let me kind of set the scene here this is after Jesus has died and it, it feels like every everybody's hopeless because if you don't remember Jesus was the prophesied Messiah like the people waited 600 700 years in their sin you know wallowing in despair and then finally this baby was born and we call that Christmas right we celebrate Jesus birth and that was the return of hope because for that 600 years God was silent so he did not speak to the people right so basically every everybody was hopeless for such a long time and they had that hope restored in the form of this baby named Jesus and then he lived his life and he brought these miracles bringing hope everywhere he went and then finally, well, you know, it is Palm Sunday. Um, he came in riding on a donkey and everybody praised him at this, as this warrior king that was going to set the people free. And he ended up being crucified. Now, put yourself in the position of the Jews, right? You see this king that you've waited for 600 years. God is finally speaking again and he's moving and doing miracles. And then you watch that, that thing that you've put your hope on get put to death brutally, have thorns like like driven into his head punched beaten whipped 49 times with the cat of nine tails which is a whip with like ends of bone glass you know all these things happened to him um crucified had to drag his own cross did you know the cross beam itself like the long part that you put your arms on weighs over 100 pounds and that's just the cross beam so coupled with the blood fatigue that he was experiencing the dizziness from blood loss um the shortness of breath having to carry an over 200 pound piece of wood rough that probably put splinters in you and carried it up a hill and then be nailed to that till you're in that position to where you can't breathe and just watching all this happen to the prophesied messiah must have been brutal to these people not only seeing how this person named jesus was how do i how do i put it how he was dehumanized like treated like an animal how he was slaughtered like like a lamb the person they put all their hopes on they watched him be brutally killed. So all these people are, are hopeless right now. So that's just setting the scene for Luke 24, 13. So after this event has been two days, I no, it's three days, this is Saturday. So this is after, spoiler warning, okay, close your ears if you don't hear it, but Jesus is alive, he comes back, <laughs> let's go. Um, but this is after <laughs> Jesus returns from the dead, right? And these two people are walking on the road called Emmaus. And verse 13 says, Now that same day, two of them, these are the two people, were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So basically, these two people are walking down the road, and they're talking about all these past events, like Jesus being put to death and how brutal it was, and they're just walking around talking about it. And then Jesus shows up, but they don't recognize him because apparently Jesus didn't want him to. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. Now, you know, this in my head, <laughs> this is Jesus being kind of coy, you know, He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, obviously, I know everything. But, you know, what, what's, what's been going on? I mean, I was the one who was crucified, but you guys don't know that. So, what things? They continued. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. 
The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, there's that word hope, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see. Um, but him they did not see. Sorry. So they went there. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't find him dead. He was alive. But some people obviously don't believe. So I'm going to go ahead and hit on verse 19. If you don't remember, it was the verse about them calling him a prophet, powerful and worthy deed before God and the people. I find it interesting in verse 19 that they called him a prophet, denoting or meaning that because he died and didn't set them free the way that they wanted him to, he wasn't who he says he is. And you guys got to be careful because sometimes people will put you down and say you're not who you are or who you were made to be, who God made you to be, because you do things a different way than what normal people would expect. Um, if God's put something on your heart to do it a specific way, do it. Go do, like Make sure it's God, but do it. And I, I listened to an interesting interview by Stan Lee, the creator of Marvel, and he was talking about the concept and creation of his character Spider-Man and how all of his editors told him it was a dumb idea. It was going to be a stupid hero Spider-Man. People are scared of spiders. Why would you call him Spider-Man, right? And Stanley, basically, he didn't listen. He went and he published that thing. And as you know, if you, there's there's been like a ton of Spider-Man movies. He's one of the most popular heroes in Marvel. Um, so if you have an idea, like a genuinely good idea, don't let anybody talk you out of it. Verse 25 going on. This is Jesus talking. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? I want you guys to remember that. Have to suffer these things and enter his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, in verse 25, Jesus literally has to retell the people what they already know. Um, if you guys don't know, the Israelites, they would memorize the entire Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet because it was still being lived out and written. So they memorized the entire Old Testament, the books of the law, um, all that sort of stuff. They memorized it. At this point, Jesus having to retell them is pretty ironic because their faith is so shaken and their hope is so lost that they've forgotten the huge chunks of prophecy they memorized concerning these events. Like if you look at books like Isaiah and Jeremiah, scripture literally tells us exactly how Jesus would die what nation he will be born in down to the the very the very specific um points of how he would die and their faith is so shaken and their hope so lost that they forget all this prophecy and they, they forget that somebody's already told them this is going to happen we already know what's going to happen right in the book of revelations which is about the future about what's going to happen about jesus coming back it can be hard sometimes because we get to the spot especially now with us being isolated and alone that we feel so hopeless and that everything is lost that we forget that we win in the end don't forget that we know the future that we have a hope that exists far beyond the current circumstances that we can see also i i told you guys remember that part uh the end of verse 25 jesus is talking says have to sever these things and then enter into his glory sometimes you you have to you have to suffer first before you can get to the good. Like everybody wants the good, but you got to suffer a little bit first. So if you can just keep that hope that you have inside of you, if, if you can just endure the suffering um, that like Jesus did, he had to suffer first and then he won salvation for the entirety of humanity. So you have to become okay with suffering 
a little bit or a lot before you can finally reach the glory that God has for you. So going on, verse 20, and I'm spending a lot of time on this book. Um, verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther. So I, in my head, I kind of think of Jesus loving to like play jokes. I don't know. That's just me. Like I see the humorous side of God. But Jesus... They, they stop, the two people start walking. Jesus walks on a little bit further and he's like, uh, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? And to me, this was Jesus testing their compassion because he knew their hearts. I feel like Jesus was just going to see if they were going to offer him, you know, food or a meal or a place to stay. You never know who, who you could be talking to. Like the scripture talks about us entertaining angels. So at literally any point in the day, you can be tested. God can be testing your compassion. So it's important that you stretch that out to people um, to give them hope. But more on that later. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it in traditional Jesus fashion and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. So Jesus walks into these people's house, breaks bread, buses it. And then they go, oh, snap, this is this is Jesus. This is my boy. Yeshu. What? And then. He disappears. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was just having a snack or something with my friend Kobe or, you know, Exodus or Kyle or John, if I was just eating with them and then all of a sudden one of them just goes and like pops out of existence, I'm going to freak, I'm going to freak out. Like that's, that, that doesn't seem as, as natural in my mind. But these, these people, they have like completely normal reactions. I, I don't understand it. Maybe it was just the peace of God. Anyway, verse 32, we see their reactions. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Now, just hitting on this real quick. I'm hitting on a ton of verses, but I just want to focus on this. Um, it says he opened the scriptures to us. So they had memorized, as we as we talked about previously, they memorized these giant books of scripture and they, they memorized the entire thing. And they they had it in their heads, right? Like they knew what it was, but it wasn't open to them yet. Like sometimes you just need somebody to come along and explain the scripture to you. Or sometimes people may know a lot about the Bible, but until, but until they firmly understand it and what all those words mean, um, they're, they're not going to see who Jesus is. So make sure you take time to explain the Bible to somebody who may not understand the verse. Verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Now the distance between Emmaus and Jerusalem is 60 stadia or seven miles. So they walked seven miles there and it was dark, like it was evening by the time they got home. So they, they were so moved by this that they walked the seven miles back to Jerusalem in the dark where there could have been banished or anything. But the hope that they had been given was so powerful and so strong that they couldn't contain it. They had to share it with somebody else. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them. The disciples were waiting in a room. They find the disciples and they say, It's true, it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two of them, Simon, one of the disciples, then the two of them told what had happened and on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. All right, so continuing on verse 36. While they were still talking about this, so they're still telling them Jesus is alive. Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. <laughs> like... <laughs> Okay, so they're, they're still talking about Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive. And then Jesus pops through like, yo, what's up? Like, peace be with you is the equivalent of, hey guys, chill out, what's up? 
In verse 37, they were startled and frightened. They think they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. In my head, this is Jesus talking talking into the future, right? For Because he knew we were going to read this. Jesus knows past, present, and future, right? So, you know, there's there's a system of belief out there that believes that Jesus was just a spirit body after he rose from the dead. And obviously this right here jesus is saying i'm not a ghost i have a physical body so jesus did rise from the dead body and mind and soul like he he came back he rose from the dead verse 40 when he said this he showed them his hands and his feet and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement he asked them do you have anything here to eat they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence jesus proved before them you know we we believe all these things about jesus but just just test him and see like just try to believe like if you're not a christian just try to believe it i promise you jesus will prove himself to you like every time jesus makes a statement he proves it. it's either backed up by scripture which is his word and we know um god's word is truth right it's infallible it never fails so we know that anytime jesus will mention something he always backs it up with proof so we have no reason to doubt the hope that has been given to us Okay, so we're at the end of Luke, right? Might as well go ahead and hit on this. We're at the end of Luke. Jesus, he, he tells them the Holy Spirit is coming, right? He tells them, uh, I'll just go ahead and read it, verse 46. He told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed from on high. So we know that what the Father promised to send was the Holy Spirit, which is the Helper, which we talked about in the last podcast. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Um, and about the power that's available to us. But Jesus talks about sending the power, right? But notice, before he talks about sending the power, sending the Helper that his Father promised, he talks about him having to suffer and die and rise again. So once again, there's no power without pain. There's no resurrection without the crucifixion. There's no hope without having to go through something first. Now, on to John 20. I've, I've been on that a little bit longer than I expected, but there was some good stuff in there. Now, John 20, this is a little a little bit of a flashback. This is from the disciples' point of view. So this is before they were in the room. Um, they were at the empty tomb um, early, early Sunday morning. So early on the first day, this is verse 1 of chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running to Simon and Peter, the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Now, to add a little bit of humor to this, right? You see this this sentence about the one that Jesus loved. And this book was written by John. And John is known as the one that Jesus loved. So instead of saying she came running to Simon Peter and John, John goes out of his way to say, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. So I feel like, once again, like if y'all don't think the Bible has humor in it, I guarantee you, it definitely does. She says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter once again. John said, haha, I'm faster than you. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. Like, I don't know, Peter's, Peter's the kind of guy that if there's a haunted house, he would run like right into it. John in verse 5 is saying he did not go in. So John is saying, hey, I got a little bit of common sense. But this man, Peter, he has no, ch- he has like no common sense at all. He went right into the tomb. 
and the Jews believed very strongly about how cursed tombs were, um, about spirits and all that. So Peter, you can see his personality shining here. He just runs into the tomb. He sees the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. So Jesus right here is flexing, right? Like he takes the very clothes that he was buried in and like killed and, and put to death in, that he takes the cloth, folds it up, as a saying, you know, death, I, I just beat you. Like, come on, you got to do better than that if you want to keep me down. So Jesus, he leaves the folded clothes inside of the tomb. That's it. That's all he leaves. So verse eight, finally, the other disciple, which is John, who had reached the tomb first. Once again, he says, I'm faster than you. Also went inside. He saw and believed. So they, they finally believed that Jesus was alive. They still do not understand from the scripture that Jesus had risen from the dead, but they still believed. So we're going to skip ahead to verse 19. Um, and this is this is when all the disciples were meeting in the room and the people from Emmaus were there. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Once again, chill out. Uh, verse 20. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. Like They were so freaked out, he had to say it twice. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and received the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, then they are not forgiven. And this is this is the part where we start to focus in on that concept of hope. We see doubting Thomas as he's been come to know. Like literally, he may not have doubted like his entire life, but he doubted this one moment. And like everybody starts calling him doubting Thomas now. Like if you ever messed up on accident and because of that, people have stuck you with a nickname that has lasted your entire life. Thomas knows how you feel. Verse 24, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in his side, I will not believe it. But Jesus shows up and he says, once again, peace be with you. Like that's, that's basically his catchphrase at this point. Then he says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Some of us are scared to have hope. We've had it ripped away before. Jesus, he's speaking to us too when he said this. Stop doubting and believe. It's okay to believe in hope. It's okay to have hope. You know, sometimes things might happen that'll get you down, but it's okay to believe. It's okay. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe. So he's straight up telling us all these things that he's, he's told us about, so far, these were written in this book so that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing we may have life in his name. Finally, um, I want to I want to touch on this passage with Simon Peter in it. After Jesus has returned, he's gone off, he's healed people, he's appeared to other people, other disciples that believe in him. And the disciples are out fishing, right? And early in the morning, Jesus is standing on the, on the shore. So the disciples are on this boat fishing and early in the morning, Jesus is standing on the shore. Verse four, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? They said, no. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, Jesus is replicating the very miracle by which he called the disciples. So things are coming full circle. It's crazy. Our God is a God of completion. Verse seven. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. So once again, Peter's headstrong personality, we, we get to see it on display for us once again. 
So the other disciples get to the shore. When they landed there, they saw a fire burning and coals with fish on it and some bread. So Jesus can cook. Like my boy was on, I'm sure, grilling up some fish and some bread. He was toasting it up, doing it real nice. Ah. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and grabbed the net ashore. It was large and full of fish, 153 fish to be exact. But even with so many, the net was not torn, which is crazy. Um, which I consider another miracle. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Jesus feeds people breakfast, obviously. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this is the conversation Jesus has with Peter. And I want you to try to put yourself in Peter's shoes. I want you to see yourself in this conversation. And this is where things begin to apply to the current quarantine situation. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, Jesus isn't talking about how he has pet sheep and how Peter should go and feed, take care of his pet sheep if he loves Jesus. You know, Jesus, Jesus is saying, my people. Jesus is called the good shepherd. We're always referred to as sheep. It's an illustration of God's love for us. So Jesus is saying, if you love me, take care of my people. If you truly love God, you'll have a desire to serve others and help others. Um, which is kind of what I'm doing now with this whole no dream thing. Like this has gone way beyond what I ever thought it was. So quick shout out to all you guys who have boosted this and grown this to the point. I know it may not seem like we're very big right now. Like we only have like 57 subscribers and 300 and something. But every one of those numbers, every one of those people, those numbers are actual people. Those are actual lives that we're able to touch. So thank you guys for sticking with us and allowing us to be with you and grow as Christians together. Or even if you're not a Christian, what's up? Stay tuned. I love y'all. Anyway, Jesus says, feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And Peter, even so, Peter gets up and goes. Now, at this point, Peter is so dedicated now that Jesus tells him the way that which he will die. Like, if you don't know, Peter gets crucified upside down which is like way more painful or I, I would think it's more pain than being crucified right side up but he gets crucified upside down and he still follows him the other disciples die horrible deaths but no matter what in every account they are always at peace and boldly and boldly go to their deaths because they know without a doubt that their hope is one that can never be taken from them again like thomas the doubting thomas he he suddenly turns around 360 and believes or 180 and believes to the point that he gets like tied to a wall and has spears thrown at him until he dies. James gets pushed off a roof. Like, y'all, don't go pushing me off a roof, guys. Please, I want to live. But James, the disciple, he gets pushed off a roof. Another disciple gets his head cut off. Paul, not one of the initial core disciples, but a believer all the same, gets his head cut off. Um, John gets exiled to the island of Patmos to live out the rest of his time alone and in solitude and exile around nobody else. The disciples get 
get tortured and they they always go at peace like like for example the stoning of Stephen right it says that he saw the heavens open up and Jesus was standing there Jesus like normally it says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God but Jesus is standing up for Stephen he's watching him being stoned to death and Stephen is at peace like scripture literally says he he basically goes to sleep like right there while they're throwing rocks at him like these weren't no tiny little pebbles they're like giant fist size rock it's so secure in his hope that he's able to go to sleep that's that's what i want those that are saying right those who have lost hope before only then know how powerful a thing hope can be and the hope that i'm talking about is no ordinary hope this hope is so powerful that it will launch the church into action if you don't know right after john matthew Mark, luke john acts right after the book of john there's a book of the bible called acts which is basically about the church and about how after they receive the holy spirit they go out and change the world you know, they only had they only had 12 people, but this hope is so powerful, it launches the church to change the world, even though they're being burned at the stake by Romans as candles to light dinner parties. It's a hope so powerful that it causes men to die for its sake so others could have it. This hope can't be found in ourselves or in each other, because if we ourselves are hopeless, we can't find hope inside of ourselves. It has to come from an outside source. So this is me talking to you, right? Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe it's because of comparison to others or feeling you'll never be good enough. But Christ gives us hope for that through his pain um, because the cross removes the need to compare because Jesus makes you enough. So there's no another person is better than you um, based on like how they were made. It's the cross makes you worth it. Like because Jesus lives in each and every one of us, each of us are worth the same. We're each valued the same. So the cross gets rid of the need for comparison. So you don't have to feel hopeless about not being enough, right? Maybe it's because something that happened to you or your family, maybe a death of a loved one or sickness, but it's okay because when Jesus rose from the grave, he defeated death. Like he literally defeated the concept of death. He killed death. Like, let's go, Jesus killed death. So now our hope is permanent. Despite our circumstance, we have a hope that yes, we may die. Scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die. So you're going to die once unless Jesus comes back first. But it says it's appointed unto man once to die. That may be a temporary circumstance, a temporary state. But we have a hope that's permanent that lasts beyond death. And I think that's crazy. Believe me, I've I've felt hopeless before. But this hope that I've been given, you know, there's that, that old hymn. It says, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. No matter what I'm going through, I can always have this hope because Jesus is mine. This hope is mine. He'll, he'll always be with me. And from a psychological standpoint, I feel one reason, and this is, this is interesting. I feel one reason that we cry out, that like we cry or we make noise when we're in pain, is because we want somebody to make it go away. We want others to recognize our pain and fix it by giving us hope. So, everybody's in pain, right? A lot of us... I know a lot of people are hurting right now with this whole coronavirus situation. So where can that hope come from? And that hope can only come from Jesus. So in conclusion, the church, I want to I draw a comparison to the church, the way it is right now, to how it was back then. The church currently is like it was back then. We're scattered and unable to meet in person because of the coronavirus. Some are afraid. Like after Jesus' death, you know, a lot of the disciples were hiding out in the room because they were afraid that the Romans would go and kill them because they were associated with Jesus. We're gathered in rooms just like they were back then. And a lot of people were just waiting for some glimmer of hope to come for this whole situation to end. But things are different now. They didn't know for sure how the story would turn out, but they had hope. We know the complete story. We have hope. The same hope that they had back then. 
And if we know the story, how much more empowered are we to go knowing how the story will end, that nothing can defeat us? It's, it's time to give that hope back to the rest of the world. It's time to give them Jesus. I mean, if you remember, right after Jesus ascends to heaven and leaves the disciples, he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit. And then they go out and they change the world, starting with a small group of just 12 people. You can read about it in the next book of the Bible called Acts. And if you don't know, or if you didn't know, technically we're still living out the book of Acts. The book of Acts is called the beginning of the church age. And we're still living out that time, right? The age of the church. Um, and this time, we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit because he's already with us. So we can just go. Like, we don't have to wait around in a room like like Jesus. He literally told us to go out and change the world and make it. Like, obviously, don't go out and change the world and make an impact right now because we're supposed to be quarantined and you don't want to go out and spread the disease like I love y'all. I love being like with my family and all that and isolated. But I do want to go outside the house. And my birthday is in June, so I kind of want to get out before that. So, <laughs> anyway, think about it. In history, I, I love history. Not too big of a history person, but I, I love um, hearing the stories of the past. If you look at history during similar situations like the coronavirus or the Black Plague, the world has always turned to the church when it needs help or hope or aid of any kind. But think about it. We've, we've turned our backs on them. And I'm ashamed to admit it. But we as the church, I, I feel that God is impressing this upon my heart. But we as the church have taken the place of God and judged the world as too evil and undeserving of grace. And I feel like it's time that we turn back around. And we, we've turned our backs on the world and started running away because we're afraid of getting a little dirty or being associated with them. But how can we expect to, to help people if if we're not reaching our arms out to them like the world is chasing after the church like it's running to us asking for help but if the church is running away screaming you know get away from me get away you, you vile sinner how can we help them it's time that we turn back around how can we expect that the world to to get better to be better if they're coming to us and we won't help them because we're too scared we're, we've gone to a point where we're too heavenly minded you know we're so focused on living right and we're so focused on living right to the point that that okay what are, what are the words we're so focused on living right that we push away the people who want to do better that are doing wrong because we don't want to be associated with that um, and it's time for that to stop i mean that's that's my little thing about the church and all that i guess that's it jesus he killed the concept of death he gave us hope if you guys don't mind i'm gonna say a prayer real quick if you're driving pull over because i don't want you to crash in anything because i love you please stay safe um let me, let me let me just pray real quick if you, if you want this hope if you felt hopeless before and you know thoughts of suicide in your head or all these other things um that might take away your hope that might take away your peace just just pray with me god i i'm i'm at a loss for words right now i i need you I know you are hope, you are peace. And right now I feel like I don't have that hope. I feel hopeless. I feel like the walls are crushing in around me. I feel like I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death and that there's evil all around me. And I feel that my enemies are numerous and they come against me to crush me and that my enemies step on me. And every day, like I try to, I try to live my best and I try to do what's right. and. I, I hope that something good happens to me for once, but my enemies are constantly stepping on me. They're constantly winning. Why do the why do the good things happen to the bad people? And the people who live right just get stepped on in the end. But I know, God, that, that through your work on the cross, your finished perfect work, through you taking on my pain, that 
it's okay for me to take on my pain for a little bit and to, to take on the pain of others so that I can show others who you are. So I'm asking, help us, help us as a church, help us as a people, help us as a nation to rise with hope, to go out and to change the world. Be with us always. In your I pray. Amen. So guys, wow. Um, what what podcast is this? Is this like eleven ten? This is crazy. I never thought we would make it to such a high number, to such a high point. And I want to thank you guys for that. Yes, God is pushing us, but you know, you guys being there for us, it, it means so much. You just don't know. Um, and in a way, you guys give us hope that there's people out there that are still willing to listen to these truths, that that still want to listen to the truth, that still want to hear what's right, that still want to do what's right, that doesn't want to conform. To, to the people around us. And, and a short thing on conformity right here, here I go again. But we live in a conformist society, right? Like everybody wants to be like everybody else. So why don't we use that to our advantage? Why don't we use that to give hope to people? If somebody sees one person giving hope, they're gonna go and give it to everybody else. But that's another, actually no, that's not another podcast, but that is another podcast. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this. Please stay safe, wash your hands, wash your face. Well, don't touch your face, only use one square of toilet paper and I guess that's it we got no dream but the one dream praise the one king zero one one remember y'all um I love you music coming on the way we've been working on beats been working on stuff since we trapped in the house um got all these videos coming out so make sure you stay tuned subscribe like um Kyle will definitely get on to me if I, I don't tell you guys just like subscribe comment if you feel like it no dream jail out peace